Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. It often feels like there's so much evil in this world. How could we possibly get out from under it? But in today's update, Pastor J.D. reminds us that the restrainer of evil is still restraining. Imagine what this world would look like without him. Meditate on God's promise that the things we mean for evil, he will use for good. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 12, 2021. I want to talk with you about what God is doing, but I also want to hear from you about what God is doing. I'll explain more on that at the end, but for now, I sense that after spending some time seeking the Lord, this was the direction that He would have me to go, namely that of how it is that everything that's happening in the world today is meant for evil. But God is meaning it for good. This is Genesis 50, my favorite verse in all the Bible, along with all my other favorite verses in all the Bible. But this one in particularly, for today anyway. Joseph is speaking to his brothers. It's recorded for us there in Genesis 50, 20. And he says to his brothers, But as for you, You meant evil against me, but God, oh, I love those two words. Did I tell you I love those two words? Do you know why I love those two words? And so do you, I'm sure, because those two words change everything. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, it's important to understand everything that had happened to and against Joseph leading up to this time when he says this to his brothers. It in a way explains how it is and why it is that Joseph was able to endure all the evil against him for what would end up being some 17 years. Not months, years. It all started in Genesis 37 with what God showed him in 
two dreams which he was actually rebuked for by his own father Jacob. And you have to understand in that culture to have your father rebuke you was, I mean, it's not like today, let's just say it that way. Then after his dreams about his brothers came his betrayal by his brothers, who left him in a pit to die, and then they planned their lie to their father Jacob. However, the opportunity presents itself for them to sell him into slavery, which ultimately leads to Joseph ending up in Egypt. He's then put in charge of Potiphar's house, only to have his boss's wife constantly, some believe even daily, seducing him and tempting him sexually, but to no avail. On one particular day, she sends all the servants away, so she's alone with him, then tries to seduce him, but he runs away from her. After leaving his coat, she uses that against him and falsely accuses him of attempted rape, which lands him in a prison dungeon. I say it that way because the prison was a dungeon that you were sent to, to die. While there, he meets two men, affectionately referred to as the baker and the butler, both of whom have dreams. Hmm, what a coincidence. Just so happens that Joseph can interpret the dreams, and he does. However, he is then left and forgotten after interpreting their dreams, and two more years go by. And then, wouldn't you know it, somebody else has some dreams, two dreams to be exact. Who had the dreams? Oh, Pharaoh. Wow, what a coincidence. I happen to know a guy that can interpret those dreams. Pharaoh, well, go get him. So they do. He's remembered for interpreting dreams in prison, and Pharaoh sends for him to interpret his dreams, which Joseph does. And then, when Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams about a coming seven-year famine, seven. And after he interprets these dreams, Pharaoh makes him the most powerful man in Egypt. Everything is going perfectly according to God's prophetic plan, exactly as God said it would, when some 17 years prior he gave those dreams to Joseph. And for 17 years he's preparing for Joseph that which he is preparing for Joseph. And here it is. After storing up during the seven years of plenty, the seven-year famine hits. And it's so bad 
that his dad sends his sons, Joseph's brothers, to Egypt to get some grain. You know how this all went down, right? Now, interesting, as far as Jacob is concerned, Joseph has long been dead. I would suggest that he still grieves for Joseph, thinking he has lost his son. And he has no idea what awaits him. Despite thinking, even saying, and it's recorded for us in the narrative, everything is against me. Have you had weeks like those? (laughs) Where everything is against you. Well, after a series of events, going back and forth, they travel back to Egypt, and his brothers appear before Joseph, still not knowing that he's their brother, until finally, I mean, he cannot hold it in anymore. He tries to excuse himself. He goes into another room and he's just wailing and crying so loud, and they heard him. And finally he just comes out and reveals to them, I'm Joseph. And it's kind of interesting because their first response, and I, I could see why it would be this way, they were terrified. Because you have to understand that all Joseph would have had to do at that point was just, I mean, he wouldn't even have to snap his fingers. He could just, you know, raise his eyebrows, you know, like we do here. (laughs) And it was off with their heads. And they knew it, by the way. But that's not what he does. And the reason that's not what he does is because Joseph knows what every single one of us here today and watching online need to know. And that is that, yes, you meant this for evil, but God is working behind the scenes, choreographing the steps, orchestrating all the circumstances, and as only He can, He is working it for good. Fast forward to today. Everything that's happening now is meant for evil. And when I say evil, I mean evil. I was sharing on Thursday night, we're in Isaiah, and uh, I was sharing about how I've been specifically praying as of late. And my prayer has been this, Lord, please, restrain the evil, and sustain the righteous. This is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where we're told that as long as the restrainer restrains, and that's what's happening right now, by the way. Think about that. Just let that sink in for a moment. Evil's being restrained right now, because the restrainer's not yet out of the way. And look at the evil. Can you imagine when the restrainer is taken out of the way, and the church is removed in the rapture? Oh, I I can't even wrap my mind around that. Evil unchecked. 
at that point. But that's not yet. As it is right now, the restrainer is restraining the evil. And in concert with restraining the evil, he is sustaining the righteous. I'll take both, by the way. In restraining the evil, that which was meant for evil, God is even now working it for good. I'll take it further and say that He's also working it for salvation. We will not know this side of the rapture how many people are being saved as we speak because of this evil. It is bringing people to Jesus Christ by the multitudes that would not have otherwise come had it not been for that which was meant for evil. God is saving people alive, the salvation of many people this day. And He's also bringing people back to Jesus, those who strayed. I was thinking about David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Can't wait to meet that man. He writes very openly, very honestly, very candidly, how it is that were it not for God afflicting him, he would have went astray. And he's actually in the Psalms thanking God for afflicting him. Thank you, Lord, for the affliction, because had you not afflicted me, I would have went astray. I realize that Romans 8.28 is a very well-known verse. We all know it, we sing it, we memorize it, we quote it, we share it. But there's one word in this promise in God's Word that I would like to draw your attention to, and it's the word no. No. We know that God works all things together for the good. Not, we sure hope, we really wish. No. We know. How do you know? Because God can, God is able, and God will take the bad and make good. No matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God always is. That difficulty, that affliction, that trial, that tribulation, will not and cannot have the final word in your life. It can't. God will have the final word. Can you imagine Joseph for 17 years as all of this is happening? I mean, just when you think, hey man, maybe there's light at the end of this tunnel as we say, and it's not a freight train this time. He lands a good job with a good boss, and he's got this wife. And then all of a sudden he finds himself in a dungeon where he's left to rot. He's familiar with this place. When we were going through Genesis, this is many years ago now, I'll never forget the detail in the narrative when they threw him into that pit. 
Joseph wailed. He wept aloud and was screaming, why are you doing this to me? Can you imagine just all of the times where Joseph could have been so easily prone to doubt in the dark what God showed him in the light, when God showed him in those dreams that he was going to exalt him to this place. I mean, 17 years is a long time. Let's just put it into perspective. We've been in this crisis, I'm going to just call it that, for over 17 months. We're not talking months, we're talking years. So how is it then that Joseph was able to remain steadfast and not give in to despair and doubt because he knew. He knew. If you were to ask him, how do you know? He would answer, I know because God told me, that's why I know. And God promised me, that's why I know. And God can't break a promise, that's why I know. Because God's given me His Word, that's why I know. And God can't go back on His Word. That's why I know. Any more questions? Nope, that's good. And answers my question, thank you very much. Now we have a problem here. Because Joseph knew that God would do it. What he didn't know was how God was going to do it. He also didn't know when God was going to do it, or the way God was going to do it. But by faith he knew that God was going to do it. And isn't that a problem for us? Maybe I'll just speak for myself, but I kind of want to know when. And like right now would be good, God. (laughs) Now would be a really good time, God, because it's kind of coming down to the wire, God. And we got to like let him know like he doesn't know. It's kind of like, oh, wow, I didn't know. When was this? God will do it. And he'll do it in his way and in his time and for his glory. And it's not a matter of if he will do it. It's when he will do it. And (laughs) when, not if, he does, and he will, he does it in such a way that we could have never imagined him doing it. I know this is a shocker. There's a reason for this, right? And the reason is because (laughs) God's ways are not our ways. I know, shocking, right, that God's ways aren't our ways. His thoughts, not our thoughts. Could you imagine if they were? Could you imagine if the way God thinks was the way you think? What do you think? Not good. God's thoughts, God's ways, infinitely higher, beyond our understanding. Who knows the mind of the Lord? 
The reason I wanted to start out this way is because of the many parallels to our day with all that's happening in the world today, chiefly that of our being on the cusp of the seven-year tribulation slash famine. By the way, there's some typology here. I'll never pass up an opportunity to point out typology in Scripture. The seven-year famine, a type of the seven-year tribulation. Joseph, a type of Jesus Christ. And here's where it gets good. Joseph takes a Gentile bride pre-famine. That's us. Joseph saves his brethren Israel in the midst of the seven-year famine. That's the type. Just like Jesus saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the seven, seven times hotter fiery furnace. I like that number seven, the number of completion. And it's the completion of the weeks of Daniel's prophecy, that 70th week that remains. You've got the pre-tribulation rapture throughout the Old Testament. I'm going to give you just three, okay? You've got pre-flood, pre-famine, and pre-furnace. It's got kind of got a ring to it, doesn't it? Uh, by the way, pre-flood, when we're in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews commences with the hall of faith. He's going to talk first about Abel, but then he's going to talk about Enoch. Remember Enoch? Well, you probably don't remember because he walked with God and then was no more, for God took him, raptured him, pre-flood, a picture, a type of the church. Noah and his family, a type of Israel. They go into the flood, into the tribulation, and are saved in the midst of and out of that flood tribulation. There's a very interesting detail uh, in that account. Again, when we were in Genesis, they were shut up in the ark for seven, seven days prior to the rain falling. Oh, that's chicken skin, isn't it? Enoch pre-flood, Joseph's Gentile bride pre-famine, Daniel pre-furnace, exalted to a high position before the seven times hotter fiery furnace. Now this is exactly where we're at right now, right now. We are, I mean, <laughs> I haven't used this one for a while, so I'm going to use it. A gnat's eyebrow away. And yes, gnats have eyebrows. <laughs> we are on the cusp of the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. But the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ must happen prior. The end of the world is going to happen and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. 
Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for Truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.